instead of thinking about whether or not you're going to fall, instead, think about how you're going to pick yourself up when you do and just keep on pushing. Just know that if you want it, you're going to get it. Hello, and welcome to the Method Supply Podcast. Intentional conversations with incredible humans sharing their daily method. This week, Kaipo talks with Coco Atama. Coco has gone viral in the past year as the blind thrasher. Facing countless challenges growing up with diminished sight, Coco talks about how he has used skating as an outlet to spread positivity and inspiration to the world. We hope you enjoy. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Method Supply Podcast. I am your host, Kaipo Sotalo, and I am here in the recording room today the virtual recording room because I am in South Carolina and my guest is based out of California. Uh, his name is Coco Atama. And for those of you guys don't that don't know who he is, he is the blind thrasher on Instagram. Um, I first saw Coco when I, I, I don't know where it was probably like a discover page, something like that. I just saw um, some text saying he's hitting these tricks and he can't see. And I was like, whoa, that's pretty intense. And I found his page, followed him immediately, and have been inspired by his story ever since. So welcome to the show, Coco. How's it going? It's going ex- existy. I mean, I can't pretend to say that things are always awesome all the time because the world is crazy, but I'm doing good, all things considered. All things considered. I, I love that because, I mean, that's what you do on your whole platform is you spread positivity. You do things that other people would think that you couldn't with your current condition. And we'll dive into all of that. I'm sure um, there's a lot of stuff that you want to explain and kind of clear the air on. So um, we can hold off on talking about that. But I did want to just introduce you a little bit more in the sense that I brought you on because, well, rather I reached out to you because I really was inspired by the way you approach life. You have this very genuine positivity that it's it's more rare than you would think, you know, with all these people shouting, oh, yeah, just live a happy life and doing all these other things like you actually I can feel it in your voice and the way you engage with your following. Like it's very genuine. You actually truly love and are passionate about what you do. So um, I want you to share your story if possible and, you know, just have a good conversation. I'm, I'm always I'm always curious to hear what you have, what people like you have to say. So um, did you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? From your own words, I guess. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, hi, I'm I'm Coco. I'm I'm ageless in this physical world. I'm 25. The internet seems to think I'm somewhere between 19 and 23. Really? Sometimes even younger people think I'm every age, and I just don't correct anyone anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I am from Los Angeles, California, and I do do a lot of things i mean you say story but where do we even begin because a story this is everyone's life is all these different stories called mixed together where where do you want me to start well how about this how when you first picked up a skateboard i feel like that's a really telling thing because i mean that's how i found you and i bet you there's much deeper stuff we can find but how about we start right at the point when you picked up the first skateboard Okay, well, I remember I must have been five or so years old. It was in kindergarten, and my babysitter had a kid who was friends with my brother, and he had a skateboard. And at that time, I had no idea how these things even worked or what they looked like. And 
it was actually my first time riding a board. Like I was just looking at this thing and this mm-hmm. was when I could see. And, and my first time actually riding a board was a friend of my mom's who had a kid who was like super old. He, in reality, he must've been like 14 or 15, but I was five. So he must've been like 60. <laughs> and I was just pushing down the driveway just on my hands, just sitting on this board. And from then on, I decided that was something I want to do. But it, it didn't happen all that way. I also had a whole bunch of stimuli around me because at this time, I still had usable vision. And I was watching shows like the uh, like Rocket Power, or I was looking at events like the X Games. My dad was an adrenaline junkie, so he was always taking me and my brother to these events. And so I was just surrounded by skateboarding. And <clears throat> when I would when I would turn on my PlayStation, I was always playing Tony Hawk, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. And Love it. so I've always wanted to do something with a skateboard. And on my seventh birthday, I got my first board and it was it was this just amazing feeling. I got this board and I was like, yes, now I am part of the elite faction. <laughs> and I run outside with my brand new skateboard. I run outside, I run down the driveway, I jump on my board, and I move maybe five inches and then fall flat on my face. Mm. <laughs> that to me was probably my favorite moment. In all of skateboarding, it's not even any of the tricks I've done or places I've been. Oh, no, it was that moment because my mom, my mom and dad were talking about it leading up to my seventh birthday. And my mom was wholeheartedly against me getting a skateboard. She was like, that's dangerous. He's going to get hurt, all these things. And then dad said, well, let him try it. Let him fall and get sick of it. Well, I did fall. And then I got back up. Then I tried it again. And then I fell again. And I guess my entire life from that point onward is just a perpetual state of I don't know how to learn lessons. That's, that's so interesting because my my thought process between that is, I mean, as a parent and I'm not a parent and I don't think I'll ever be qualified enough to be a parent. I'm, it's actually something I'm really scared of. But you see your kid and you, you see him take off down the driveway and then he goes and he falls like, okay, that should be the end of it. You see him get up fall back again, get up, fall back again, get up, fall back again. You're like, this kid's not going to quit, is he? Um, You said that's a theme in your life of getting up and down. Is that just pertaining to skateboarding or is there, is that just like in general? It's everything in my life. Cause I, I almost would say I'm bullheaded. I'm stubborn. I have no idea how to quit or how to give up. And I wouldn't say that I don't know how, but rather I know how, but I don't want to. That's incredible. I love it. <laughs> it's it's like the the most productive kind of stubbornness that you, you're very self-aware. At least you know your limitations and you know the fact that, you know, if someone's going to tell you you're not going to be able to do something or is something that you want to do, you're going to find a way to do it. And that's the stuff that we want to share here on the show, Method Supply, is that we want to share the stories of people overcoming challenges and falling and getting back up because they want to get back up, not because they have to, but more so, man, they want to prove it to themselves and to whoever that they can do it. And your story really does scream out that whole theme. So 
that was your seventh birthday. Um, you're going through as a teenager, learning how to skate and everything like that. At what point did your, your vision start to really affect that whole process? Well, actually from day one, if you will, because I was born with a condition called LCA or Labor's Congenital Amaurosis. And basically the way that LCA works is, well, it hits different people in different ways. Some people, it doesn't affect their sight. Some people are born with none. I was born with a fairly usable chunk and it was gradually, gradually getting worse from the moment I was born, if, if you will. And so I always like to put it in milestones because when I was in preschool and kindergarten, I couldn't quite do things the same way everyone else could, couldn't catch a ball, do all those things, but I could still read and write perfectly fine, normal size print. Around age seven or so, seven or eight, I started needing bigger print. Age 10 or 11, even bigger. Age 13 or 14, print started giving me a headache, so I switched to Braille. And it around age 19 or 20, started getting a bit more static. Like, it wasn't getting too much worse, if anything. Like, mm-hmm. I was still able to do, do things. And to this day, like, my vision is... I have color perception, and that's about it. My form recognition is pretty bad. My light perception is there, but I'm very photosensitive. So, like, for example, if a car was to drive by, I couldn't tell you what shape or size it was, make or model, forget about it. But it sure was red. Oh, man, I love it. It's it's kind of hilarious to think that you have this, um, I guess, perspective that even though you may be limited in this sense, you're going to make the most of it. And I know that you, it, it hasn't always been that way. I know that um, we talked a little bit before we got recording, um, but you had your own struggles that you faced in and of itself, maybe attributing um, some, some issues that you had in your own heart and in your mind um, that I'm sure losing your vision must have, must have affected. Um, how did, how did you get through that time? Well, it was a pile of different things, like all on top of each other. So like when I was, you know, let's go back in time again, back in like preschool, kindergarten, that area. When you're that age, you don't see other people's perspective. Your sense of empathy is basically non-existent. And so because of that, your interactions with other kids, you think they see the world exactly like you do, and they are exactly the same as you are. So when not only the kids, but the grownups are treating you differently, whether they mean it, whether they mean it maliciously or not, you feel like it's malicious because you think, why are you looking at me, talking to me, uh, acting around me like I'm different? Aren't I the same as the rest of you? And that burning question really nagged at me and so majority of my childhood i think that was what started most of my depression was not actually my vision loss but how the other how everyone around me was taking it and treating me like i was some kind of freak kids were bullying me and it was just not a fun time and as i got older i just wanted the only thing i wanted out of life was to fit in i wanted to be I wanted to be cool. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to stop feeling like I was some kind of outcast or some kind of freak. 
but the harder I tried to fit in, the farther away I became. And so there's a few things, but the two biggest ones are skateboarding and music that really helped me sort of have a space where I could affect my own world, especially when I'm on a board. I pretty much, no matter what happened that day, no matter how I felt, no matter who stole something from me, threw something at me, did whatever, I could hop on my board and none of that matters. The world is okay. And so even though I had this sanctuary that I could go to, even that wasn't enough in my teenage years. I was just, it just got worse. I really honestly didn't feel like my life had purpose anymore and I've wanted to kill myself. And it just, it just got to the lowest point around that time, around my teenage years. But it was then that I think my vision loss came back into the frame. Like when I realized I couldn't see the same things anyone else could. And thus I didn't feel like I could do the same things anyone else could. And thus I felt like I couldn't be like anyone else. I couldn't be normal. I couldn't fit in, but something happened and I really can't explain it. It started very briefly around my senior year of high school, but more so afterwards, I, I can only describe it as I got burnt out of feeling depressed. I decided that it wasn't doing me any good. It wasn't doing anyone any good. I was sitting around waiting and wishing, but at the end of the day, all I did was wait and wish and I didn't do a damn thing. So I decided if I want something, I'm gonna get it. If I wanna do something, I'm gonna do it. I got so sick of hearing people tell me that I can't, that I wouldn't, that I would never be this, never do that, never be normal, never be anything. I'm, I'm going to define and I'm going to make my own normal. So the reason why I'm so driven and passionate and where I am right now is actually because of little seven-year-old me stepping on my first skateboard. It didn't matter that I fell. It didn't matter that my face kind of hurt. It didn't matter that my knee was all scraped up and my pants were torn. I wanted to skate, so I was gonna skate. And I tried to take that, look back at what little me was trying to teach teenage me and turn that into my entire life. I don't want to sit around where have people tell me what I can or can't do. I want to figure it out for myself. There's a song by Bleachers, the band, it's called Everybody's Lost Someone. Um, and basically just the whole message of the song is like, everyone's got their thing, but you know, people are walking through these things and you should not withhold, you should withhold judgment and you should not judge these people for by the way that they present because you don't know the whole story. I love how you, you put it. You got burnt out of being depressed because you said it wasn't, it, it wasn't doing anyone good. And it sort of manifested itself. I think, I mean, at least to me. Um, from that point in high school that you said, and then meeting you now today, that you've turned it into a passion and a skill, and you're now you're advocating for people like you, people that you see, you see them walking in shoes that in pads that you've walked before in your life, and saying, "Hey, it's okay. I'm not going to tell you it's going to get better right away, but it does get better if you're able to, you know, find that thing in your heart that really drives you." And I can I can hear that in your voice. Um, so, what was that thing? Um, that's something I've, I haven't put together yet, but what was, do, do you, is there something that drives you and keeps you going or is it just something that you have to battle every day? 
honestly, I still, I still battle it today, even here and now. I mean, I'm not free of problems. I'm not free of struggles. And I, I guess the way that I say it, and I'm sorry to be a whole like word wall over here and drown you and all this, but basically the way I view my outlook, I like to say I'm a real optimist. And what I mean by that is I hear so many people talk about being an optimist, like being delusional and talking about how everything is always perfect and nothing can ever go wrong. But on the other extreme, people talk about being a realist and people are like, oh, you're just being negative. You're just being a jerk or something. And I feel like neither of those is the case. I guess the simplest way to put it is I don't believe that everything is going to go wrong and nothing's ever going to work out. But at the same time, I don't believe that everything is always perfect and nothing can ever go wrong. Rather, my viewpoint in life for skateboarding, music, making friends, learning a new skill, going to school, anything, is things will go wrong. You definitely will. Things will not work out. You will feel sad. You will feel upset. You will question why you're even still alive. You will have these questions and you'll feel bad and that is okay. But instead of just pushing them away like, no, I can't be feeling bad because everything is perfect or letting them beat you and saying, oh, uh, you know, I, I'm feeling bad, but I'm going to stay that way forever because that's just how I am. It's knowing, not just thinking, not just guessing, knowing that you have the tools to fix any problem when they happen. And that's not if, that's when. And so I always tell myself, when I feel bad, I'm going to find a way out of it. When I struggle with something, I'm going to figure it out. When I'm having a problem with anyone or anything, I'm going to figure it out. And again, that's not if, that's when. These things will happen. I question every day. Sometimes like I, I question whether I matter, whether anything I'm doing is making an impact on anyone. And honestly, I can't say for sure whether it is or isn't, but I can say I'm having a fun time doing it. So here I am. That is so, I just keep saying it's amazing, but it really is a beautiful thought. You know, we, we as humans, all, all we want to be known, or we all we want in, out of life is to be known and loved. I feel like those are two big key things at the heart as humans in the human condition live with, is the, the desire to be loved and to be known and truly, truly and wholly of each of those things. But um, I don't even know why I thought about this, but when you're talking about it, you're, you're just you're trying to figure out a way to prove that almost to yourself. It doesn't seem like you're proving to anyone else, but Coco, you're, you're talking to Coco every single time you say, Hey, we can get through this. And it's when, and it's not like for anyone else. It's for us. Cause we're the one walking through it. And I, I, I it's wonderful. And I, I never got to actually say thank you for sharing the story because in, it's hard to open up in general, let alone on a podcast with a stranger that you just met an hour ago, you know? Um, but the fact that you're able to be so open and genuine and honest with this, it, I think it adds power to the story. And you may not think that, you know, you've impacted many lives, but I share your story a, a lot of times to the patients I work with. I work on a, a rehab floor in the hospital 
Um, I'm, I'm on my last year of rotations in PT school and I share like my day uh, hanging out with people who have lost the use of their legs. That's, that's primarily how I've been spending my days. And a lot of times I'll bring up your page because you lost your sight and you're doing what you are now. And so you will have never have known that unless we had this conversation, but you and some other people that I follow on Instagram that have overcome great things have made impacts that they will not see. And the fact that you are able to say, I may not know if I'm impacting anyone, but I'm having a fun time doing it. Keep having fun, man, because you are impacting people. And it's such a big encouragement, at least to me and the people I interact with, because, man, it, it's, it's really something that to be said, like, what's your excuse kind of thing? And um, love that you shared each of those things. So um, I know you talked a little bit about how you're able to um, take it out your some of your frustrations or your emotions out when you skate. Um, talk to me about your process when you actually get to the skate park. Like, do you just go in? Do you just drop in right away? Or do you need help, like, getting in position? Or, like, do you have a list of tricks you want to get? Or is it kind of hanging? Like, what, what's your process? Like, when you get there to your creative space, how do you tackle your time? Well, my process is a lot of different steps. Like, when I get to a new skate park, if I've never been there, like, I think uh, a couple of months ago, my first day when I went to Chevy Chase, I... I'd never been to this park. I'd never even heard of it until one of my friends told me I should go check it out. And so when I got there, I whipped out my cane and I walked every inch of the park, bent down and felt things with my hands, all the terrain changes, surfaces, how tall the ledges were, the boxes, the quarter pipes, where everything was. Just walked around and felt up every inch of the park. And from there, I have... A pretty decent memory. I've heard it called a photographic memory. I've heard it called an eidetic memory. I don't know which one it is, but basically, anywhere I've been is like this fluorescent paint in my memory. And spatially, I can make a 3D map of how things are laid out just so long as I've felt it before. And so from there, I break it down to what can I tackle today? And it could be one thing i could spend three four hours at a skate park my first day just skating one single ramp because i want to know it on an intimate level and so the parks that i know more than a single piece of are because i've spent countless hours there trying to figure out how things work how things are arranged what tricks i can take off of what and just spending time to get connected Sometimes I'll just sit there walking back and forth and feeling out every inch of something because I want to know it on a really intimate level. Do you see it as a terrain almost to be conquered, like you're going to war and you're like, okay, this is the battle we're facing and the trick you're going to nail is your enemy. And so if you know your terrain and you know that the enemy is at hand and you're ready you're ready to tackle that whole thing i i, I that's the first thing i thought of it was actually art of war by sun tzu when you were talking about that that's deep yeah real deep <laughs> that is incredibly <laughs> deep no I, I actually i i part of that is 
I view it as almost like a battle, but in a way, I also view it as a collaborative effort. I know this sounds super cheesy, but I try to make friends not only with everyone, but everything. And so to me, when I, let's say, do, you know what, let's say a switch boneless frontside flip, because that's one of my favorite tricks ever. If I were to do that off of a bank or off of a ledge or over a rail or something, to me, those obstacles, my board, my hands, my soul, they're all trying to work together. And if I can't nail it, if I have trouble, if I struggle with something, I come back and I look at it like, what are, what are you doing? What do you, what do you need from me in order to get us working together on the same page? That's, <laughs> you, you said that, that what I said was deep, but I'm pretty sure that was deeper because you integrate your soul and your heart and you put everything into the tricks you're going to hit. And I love that. It's, it's wonderful because you basically shared your whole story from when you first picked up the board to sort of where you are now. Um, and the fact that you can see that you're really diving into something with your whole heart and tackling those issues and those problems that you may have pointed out in your own heart where like um, I'm depressed or there's something wrong. Your way to cope with it and your way to handle this to tackle it head on, just like you do your tricks. And I think that was really cool. I don't know if you did that on purpose, but you paralleled the two almost exactly. And the fact that you're able to now have this platform where people know about you and people are reaching out to you and talking to you and obviously are encouraged by you, I think is just the, the most fitting way to go as far as like, you know, your process, because, you know, it does get better. And um, I don't share this a lot, but I lost my mom to a condition called scleroderma she'd been fighting for 15 years um in may of this year and a lot of people ask me and people have texted me and just you know are you okay and it's it's a strange feeling um when people are checking up on you right it's like you get put in this this almost like a glass box where people don't know how to handle you you just want to be like everyone else um for a lot of my life my mom has been sick so this is something I kind of resonated with you on because people didn't know how to handle me when my mom was like say in the hospital or something like that. But I think what you said was very true and you really did put to words a lot of what I felt and still do feel is that, you know, it does get better and pushing the problems away that doesn't make them go away, but rather tackling them and accepting them and appreciating them and moving forward, not necessarily moving on, but moving forward with what you have and not dwelling so much on what was. I think that's, that's something that has just really hit me on a heartstrings level. Um, I, I appreciate you, you sharing all of that, man. It's, it's wow. Well, well honestly, that, that question right there of, are you okay? That's one of my favorite questions because growing up, it was always, are you okay? And I would always be obligated. I would feel forced to say, yes, I am, just so I felt normal. But in reality, I realized when you're not okay, there's no shame in saying, no, I'm not, but I will be. Huh. I follow that up with when, I don't know, but I will be, or, or how, what do you, what do you, how, what is your process? How are you going to get to 
feeling okay. I, I have no idea. I, I just know what's happening. It's almost like this this bit of faith that you have, and the fact that you're able to cling to that is so so huge. Um, well, it's because I'm it's because I'm stubborn. If I want something, <laughs> it. That's, that's basically all I have to say. Is I, I, I straight up like almost like you think of the the, the spoiled. 16 year old or the sweet 16 or bridezilla or whatever it's like you get what you want because you want it but in reality i mean we need a little bit of that in our lives whether it be to conquer a skill or to feel better about something it's just if you want to if that's what you want you're gonna get it don't worry about how don't worry about when don't worry about why just if you want it you're getting it and being and trusting the process is huge to be able to hear you say that and obviously shows because you lived your life exactly like that and now you're able to share your story with so many people so we so so appreciate you um coming on and sharing all of this so um i guess to wrap up the show we're coming toward the end and you've said so much and i feel like we could talk for another couple hours i'm so curious about your life and what you've all shared but i want you to take a bird's eye view from that seven-year-old falling on his face to now you're hitting tricks that you didn't think that you'd be able to do. What is one word to describe that whole journey and the journey moving forward? I, I think, oh, I, I didn't at all prepare for this because I love the rawness. I didn't prepare for any of this. So <laughs> I want to keep it all raw. So if I had to think of one word right now, I would say push and like every push in every sense of the word, not just like pushing like on a skateboard, but also think like pushing a boulder. Think just pushing. You don't you don't know how things are gonna go. You don't know if they're gonna go. You're riding down the street and you could fall into a crack. You could mess yourself up. You're pushing this boulder. Well, this boulder could slip out of your hands and fall down the hill and roll roll right over you. All these things could happen. But instead of thinking about whether or not you're going to fall or how you're going to fall or thinking about all of these things, instead, think about how you're going to pick yourself up when you do and just keep on pushing. Just know that if you want it, you're going to get it. Very, very well said. We are at the end of the show. Um, We try to keep these these shows a, a nice little short conversation that you'd have with someone over lunch. I think that's the the biggest goal. And man, I, I just want to keep talking to you, but I know we have to land the plane at some point. Um, so I figured we want to do it now. Maybe we do another episode someday, but um, man, thank you so much for coming on. Um, is there anything you want to share with the method supply audience before you, we head off? I, I guess I would say, to just find something that you love, find something you enjoy, and don't worry about whether it's going to make you money or get you famous or whether people are going to accept you or whether you'll even be good at it. Don't worry about any of that. Just find something you enjoy. Find a way to have fun and just keep on going. You'll be all the happier for it. Focus on you. Focus on enjoying yourself and less on impressing the world around you. I, I, I get so passionate about this stuff because, again, 
I saw how low I was. I wanted to and tried to kill myself. And to go from that to now, I just, I see everyone, whether it be a little kid who's just learning how to do an ollie or an older dude who is, has lost his purpose in life. It doesn't matter who it is. I see everyone as someone who has the ability to get something they want. Because I, I, always, I always feel terrible about doing interviews like this because I feel like I talk too much or I get way too emotionally involved because I'm over here trying not to cry, but like, just because I care. I, I, I love everyone. I care about everything. I just, I care too much. That was Coco Atama on how to find joy in the life that you live. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Method Supply Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite streaming service. That's all for now. But as always, we challenge you to find, live, and share your method today. See you next time.